Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Alan Cumming. Christopher Sweeney as I live and breathe. How are you? I'm good. Guess what? What? We're back. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the tension, the pause. Over these coming episodes, we're going to be talking to guests on a theme of trailblazers. That's right. Who do we think out there is leading the charge? It's the people who are breaking the rules and who aren't afraid to do it first. And we've got the most amazing group of people that we're talking to. And our our first person is the wonderful Tan France. Tan, of course, as you all know, is one of the hosts of the um, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Is that what they call it? They just call it Queer Eye now, do they? They just call it Queer Eye now. But, yes. But, you know, it's not to be underestimated what Tan has achieved. You oh, know, my like, God. Born in Doncaster, is one of the only sort of very visible South Asian gay men on the planet. I know. You know. And he talks about that in the interview. It's really fascinating. It means culturally it's a really fascinating thing. I was There were so many things he said that were shocking to me and also hilarious and also just like ballsy what a ballsy boy mm. uh, and uh, I just loved his spirit wasn't he also like a millionaire by the time he was 30 or something crazy as well because he had that whole fashion business yeah yeah he had all these companies I think I'm still working in cargo home shop in Putney at the age of 30 <laughs> <laughs> are you really the HR person for Queer Eye <laughs> I am well I'm the unofficial HR person for Queer Eye I would like to believe that I am but Netflix tells me I'm not <laughs> I see. <laughs> However, I still ensure that all complaints, especially sexual uh, complaints, come through me first, so I can decide if I feel like I was being inappropriate with someone. The answer is always no. Are there a lot from uh, people being concerned about my actions? Probably many. no, <laughs> no, not at all. Why wow. we should uh, we're forgetting that it's twenty twenty? You can't say this kind of we stuff. We shouldn't. No. Yeah, no, you're right. But actually, it is a it is a good <laughs> point that you make. Is that if you are a queer man, for example, I've noticed it in work. Men, a gay man, for example, will be quite sexually like, oh, he's hot about someone uh-huh. in work. And you're like, hmm, it's interesting because you can't do that. You know, like you wouldn't accept it from a straight man. Yeah, you're right. We we do get away with a lot more than I think straight men can get away totally. with. However, mm. just hearing the way you guys spoke to our um, tech person on this call Really did surprise me thinking, gosh, I don't know if I can get away with that. But apparently you guys can. Well done, you. It was just I said he looked like someone that I knew. (laughs) And who was the person you said it was, though, Alan? Come on. He's a a porn star. And you suggested he Google him. And there aren't just any, (laughs) like, chic headshots of this person. There are. I said to him it goes to the first page of the website. And you see a picture of him. Yes, of a penis only. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I'm literally googling this person right now. I won't say it. Brace yourselves, people. The first image that comes up is this. Oh, that's a penis. Oh, that's <laughs> a penis in someone's mouth. Oh well. <laughs> I know one when I see one. 
Um, <laughs> See now, that's the kind of thing that would come to my department in yes, HR. Yes, I'm not sure that should come to my department, our Chris's department in the Homo sapiens HR. I call myself the HR department. Um, we've never actually upheld a complaint, um, but you know, that, there's, that, there's that, always a. I think it was also bad because I then said from the waist down uh, which was also <laughs> yes. which was also unacceptable yes yeah, see that's an example of what we're talking about isn't it we actually we're all laughing and but it is true if we were straight men talking about a woman it would be absolutely untenable Shocking. yeah yeah mm. yeah and if I were the person on this call and I just met you guys, I would absolutely be contacting whoever it is that runs oh my God. this organization. I think it's if you go to alancumming.com forward slash shop, that's where we. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a t shirt that will express your concern <laughs> one manner or another. Or buy some soap called Cumming, you see? Oh, it's just, welcome uh, to my world. I mean, imagine growing up with a name like Cumming. I know. It's just mm, uh, people, and then always people say, oh, I think maybe your email went into my junk because of, you know, your name. I think, oh, that one again. <laughs> oh, how funny. Always, I get that. You're reminding me of a story which was, it, I don't know if this will work in America because I don't know how it's pronounced, but you know the herb, cumin? Cumin, yeah. yeah. Cumin, yeah. Yeah. So m- my friend's mum made us some uh, something to eat when we were like 14. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's really nice, just being polite. Like, how did you make it? And she was like, oh, I made it with cumin. (laughs) (laughs) I remember just looking at this woman in the eyes. No wonder I like it so much. Did you actually just say that to me without even realising? And I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, Dan, you're in Salt Lake City. Tell us why. You know, I I used to visit here regularly. I was living in New York a long, long, long time ago. My housemate was from Salt Lake. I'd never heard of Utah before. I was like 20. And uh, and I'd never been to another city or a state. And so I came out to Salt Lake, fell in love immediately. Have you? Well, let me ask this first. Alan, have you ever been to Salt Lake? Yes, I have. Did you notice how attractive the boys are? Very much so, yes. Like disproportionately Ridiculous. attractive. It's like Australia. Yeah, you can't swing a cat without hitting at least 10 hot dudes. Yeah. And so... That that became like my my <laughs> yearly actually no my, my my quarterly trip where I'd come to uh, Salt Lake and sleep my way around town and then on one of my trips I accidentally fell in love with the person that I was hanging out with uh, who is now my husband um, oh, that's and good. so yeah twelve years ago I decided to move and out here he, permanently is he from Salt Lake City or he was just on the trip with you he is ah. no he's from Salt he's from Salt Lake well he's actually from Wyoming but he's lived here for. Mm. Uh, many years and he's he's a former mormon and this is a really big place for mormons oh, of course um, yeah and so it made sense that he lived i th- i am fascinated by former mormons that's a, a funny what's oh, that when you too. call it former there are mormon. so many but is there a big gay scene there as well huge actually oh, okay um, uh, there are almost every second person i meet uh, seems to be gay or at least curious <laughs> help out when we're busy yes <laughs> Yeah, there's. There, I've known a few. I have a few friends actually who are uh, queer and and are former Mormon, former Mormons. That's yeah. a difficult thing to say. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a really fascinating religion. I mean, I mean, the more I find out about it, the more completely nuts I think it is. And also, I think in a funny sort of way, I I think the the harder it must be to leave because it's so wrapped up in kind of you know this this lore. This it's very complicated and 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 and, yeah. and to justify 
it. You have to really go, de- you know, you're, you're really enmeshed in it. I think it's really interesting. Do you know much about Mormonism, Chris? No, I was just going to ask for a refresher because are they tolerant of homosexuality? Well, can I give you my uh, Alan Cummings view of Mormonism? Oh, gosh. Go on, Alan. So, <laughs> yeah. There was this bloke. It'll be new one. Because it started upstate New York, <laughs> where I am. So there was this bloke. His name's Joseph Smith. That's yes. right. A couple of centuries ago. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he found these big sort of tablets in the woods which said all this stuff, which became the basis of the Mormon faith. But they, they, they disappeared, these plates, and nobody else could see them. And then he um, started Mormonism. Is that basically it? That's that is it. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's here's my thing. Obviously, I'm not I would have Mormon. started it if it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I don't believe the, in the religion personally. However, every religion's kind of. Oh my god! Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like when you really mm. look into it, everyone's kind of crazy. But this religion, uh, from what I found, has had has churned out so many gays. Like so <laughs> oh. many gays. And I think this is the reason. Oh. They go on a mission. They go on a Mormon mission. You know mm. how missionaries will mm-hmm. uh, go across the world, and these guys are sent out. They will be sent with a partner that they call a companion. Yes. They will live with this person. They must spend every waking hour of every day. And they're like eighteen or something. The hormones are raging. Yeah, yeah. 18, 18 to twenty. They're not allowed to interact with girls in any way. And so I just think, you know. well, if they weren't gay before, Hello. they've got no one else. <laughs> totally. They fall in love with their best friend. Yes. And are they are the Mormon religion tolerant of homosexuality? No, and as tolerant as any other religion would be, which is no. Yeah, that'll be a no. Then. Yeah, yeah. So, but how was it for your husband then? He uh, well, he left a long time ago, uh, and he or he knew for a long time that it probably wasn't going to be a permanent thing. He was just doing it to appease his family. And then right. when we met, it was very clear he was no longer going to be part of the church. Um, but he, he, he is actually really glad that he was raised in a faith, uh, because we have very similar upbringings. I'm Muslim. He's a former Mormon. And so we have very similar upbringings, which makes us a little more compatible. In what way? What do you mean by that? We have, uh, similar, uh, beliefs as to what happens when we die. We have similar hopes. Uh, so he's, had, he's still, so he's not a Mormon, but he still has faith he believes in a God. He believes in God. Yeah. Yeah. Right, he, but right. he's just not, um, he's not Mormon. Um, and so, yeah, we had similar upbringings of we weren't allowed to do certain things after school. We'd go to we'd go to mosque. He'd go to um, uh, church. And so we had very similar. Upbringings. Right. And also he never really drank alcohol. That's right. Same with me. Not allowed coffee either. Not allowed coffee yeah. either. But someone I know who was a Mormon, like he got in such trouble because he had like, hit a coffee machine under his bed. When he was a teenager, <laughs> and that was like that his big thing. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you know the funny thing is, we'd been dating for a couple of years. His parents, family knew we were actually we were married by that point, and still he would hide his coffee from his parents. And I'd say wow. it makes no sense. Like you're literally married to me, yeah. and you're concerned still that they might know you drink coffee. It's so <laughs> not a big deal. That's so funny. That funny? It's, like, when I came out to my parents, I said, I'm gay, and by the way, I smoke, because I was like, let's just do this all <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely understand why. I mean, I would lead with something much... I did something really stupid when I told my family I was gay, and... Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Uh, one of them, I told them I was really terminally ill. No. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. 
And, and Tons so sorry, of ads. I'd already, I'd already come out to two of them, and we thought that this might be a funny way of doing it because then they're like, "Oh my god, that's the worst!" Cry, cry, cry. And they're like, "JK, I'm just gay." And then they can't be that upset because you're like, "Well, you said whatever needs to be." To happen wow. to make you stay alive. Well, this is it. I've just happened to be gay. I'm not dying. And how did it go? I mean, my siblings are already playful. We're all, we always find humor wherever we can. And so thankfully, it, we laughed about it later on that evening. <laughs> I can't believe you were stupid enough to tell me that. Oh, one. my God. That is so hilarious. <laughs> wow. And awful. I'm just painting a picture of you now. It's awful, but I'm like, well, at least I'm still alive. Like, That's I ain't true. dying. I'm just not living the life that you That's thought true. I was going to live. You said a lovely thing, Tam, which is that when you're coming out, you... You sort of talked to one person in your family, then got them to go along and help you then tell the next person. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of... Little allies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like the Mormon mission people. <laughs> we go around converting each sibling <laughs> separately. Uh, I, I honestly didn't want to do a family meeting. It was so not the kind of way I wanted to do it. I wanted to divide and conquer. <laughs> my cousin came out at my granddad's funeral. Oh, bad timing. <sighs> Yeah, he worked the room. He'd obviously told his family, but they had not told anyone else because they wanted to keep decorum. So then we were all together and I watched him working the room, telling everybody that he was gay. I've got to say, I I like that. I think do it when something else shocking is going on because then you divert. Yes, divert attention. Divert attention, yeah. But watching my aunt's face try and keep a decorum while she knows that it's going on around the room, I I just, me and my sister just got the popcorn. The reason why that is super smart is because your aunt really couldn't cause a scene. Otherwise, she's not respecting the person who'd passed away because she's not focusing on that death. She's focusing on something entirely different. I actually quite... Uh, kids who are <laughs> out there is not out yet. Yeah, wait until somebody really close to your family dies and then tell your family. Or pretend you've got a terminal illness. Yeah. yeah or pretend that you're dying personally. <laughs> you're terrible. <laughs> um, so I, 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 so you, you've got a place in Salt Lake City that you've, you've come to spend the... Yeah. Well, I, uh, we were, so we got a house in LA and we were going to move out there just before um, COVID hit. From New York? No, from Salt Lake. Oh, I see. So you're per- you, you were permanently based there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh, but we were, we were actually filming, in, at the time we were filming uh, in Texas and we got shut down, of course. And then uh, we were going to stay in LA for a little while, but it started to get really bad down there. And so we came back to Salt Lake and... There are many reasons I stay in Salt Lake. A lot of people think it's bizarre that I choose to come here on uh, uh, every day off I have, which is very, I have very few days off, but I will always fly home. I don't love the LA scene very much. I don't love the New York scene very much for my world, my industry, because then you feel pressure to go to an event and be social. Mm. And uh, especially within the first few years of of this job, I feel like uh, the pressure is on to make sure we're seen everywhere and, everybody's telling you that your PR people, your agents, your manager, go to this event, go to that event. Whereas when I come home to Salt Lake, no events. nobody cares. Yeah. They couldn't care less. And that's what I like. I, I, If I had wanted this life my whole life, I think I'd be very different and I would probably want to live in LA. But the fact that it's just like a bonus job, I, I come home as often as I can. Because that, that's where we met. Remember we met at that shop? That yeah, shop. an event. Yeah, an event, a fashion yeah. event. 
And I remember I say, I remember on the red carpet getting photographed. That funny thing you do when you're talking yeah. to someone you've never met them before and you're getting photographed. So you kind of you start talking while smiling, like hey. And I, I, know, I, I said, I to them, does everyone tell you that you look like me? Because everyone tells me I look like you. And uh, we had this uh, funny... the first, <laughs> Isn't that, that crazy? First, the first couple of weeks of the show coming out, there was this campaign image that they used, and I would get almost every day, you look like Alan Cumming or the guy from Wham. Uh, not 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 uh, George Michael. Oh, Andrew Ridgely. Cool, he's a always one of those two. Not too shabby oh, I then. See that now. <laughs> not too shabs at all. Not too shabs at all. It's and the funny not. thing is, Alan, the the uh, the strange strange thing that the American media did was that they didn't uh, they couldn't place me. I don't look. Uh, I don't look like a white person, obviously, uh, but I speak like an English person and. Mm. Apparently, a lot of race people don't understand. No, or a lot they of don't grasp that don't at all. Yeah, you can have a brown person with an English accent. Yeah, and so every press outlet within the first few weeks said the Scottish cast member Tad France. <laughs> and so finally, Netflix had to reach out to them all, saying, "You've got to stop calling him Scottish. He's not <laughs> Scottish at all. But no. if you don't speak like Hugh Grant, apparently you're Scottish. How funny! So where exactly are you from? I'm from South Yorkshire, uh, a place called Doncaster. Oh. Have you ever been? Yes, I've been to Doncaster. Yeah. There's yes. a train station. Yeah. Um, a change and, there, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's got the highest rate of pregnancy in the UK, or at least it did have teenage pregnancy in the UK. At least it did when I was there. <laughs> Is that coincidental? Yes. I was very active as a teen. Um, didn't really know where I was going with my life. And then it also had the highest rate of sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. So. Also my fault. Um, <laughs> so I decided to leave <laughs> at 17. Yeah. Like, town has seen enough of me. You, you said a lovely thing, Tam, which was, and uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you felt like you sort of had to choose between being brown and being gay, that they were yeah. two things that you had to cope with. But yeah. I also wanted to ask you about one other thing, which is that did you also slightly have to come out about being into fashion? Because <laughs> oh, that yeah. is such a thing that like... Yeah you don't want to talk about because it makes you a bit gay you know yeah uh actually that i'm, I'm not uh, lying when i say this i'm not saying it for dramatic effect it was harder for me to tell my uh my parents that i wanted to study fashion than telling them i was gay <laughs> the, oh my god in my culture and you're both from the uk so you must know some asian people yeah we are yeah. usually forced to be doctors or lawyers or something yeah in that academic space. And so when you tell them you want to do something creative, they've mm. never known that in their community before. And so you're doing something so shocking. Like, why would we have emigrated to this country for you to do something so <laughs> uh, so crazy, so, uh, so out there and so uncertain? And so telling them that was actually really difficult. Telling my mom I was gay was a case of, you know me, you know that this has been me my whole life. Uh, there's nothing that's gonna change. I will still be the same person. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. No problem. Mm. But telling her I was choosing fashion, that was a choice. I was choosing to not be a doctor. And that was a real oh. difficulty. Like, she literally slapped me. <gasps> Did she really? Because yeah. didn't you... But um, not to paint you as a liar in this podcast, but you've spoken <laughs> about it before. But didn't you also not tell her that you went to fashion college? Yes, I also did not tell her <laughs> until did you I graduated. That? Well, I, so I was meant to study psychology, 
and because uh, some of my other siblings did and uh, and they were very smart and they had interests that I had no interest in and so my family didn't want me to do anything creative I wanted to go to art college and they said no you're going to go study psychology so that's what I did the first few months I hated so much and so I decided to drop out and instead I signed up for fashion and went to fashion college and spent the next three years working on that and then telling my parents every day no I'm, I'm uh, I'm still going to college. I'm enjoying it. it's hard work. You know me in academia. And then finally on graduation, <laughs> when I was taking my family to my graduation, the others went separately. I took my mom with me and in the car, uh, I said, Hey, uh, I'm not, I, you're going to be a little bit shocked when you come to my graduation today. I'm not graduating. But it was the same college, was it? It was a di- complete different college. Oh my like, God. One of them was, yeah. You're going to be really confused by this, but we're not going to, my regular college one, we're going to this different one. Well, why are we going to this different one? Well, I'm not actually graduating in psychology. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? I'm graduating in fashion and literally slapped the shit out of me whilst I was driving. So I <laughs> whilst had to over like, whoa! Whilst I like, slapped the shit out of me as if I had told her I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, my God. No wonder you yeah. told them you were dying. And what a big secret to keep. I light up a storm in my teens with my parents. Mm. And I talk, I, I, I've talked to a lot of Asian people about this, especially Muslim kids, uh, saying, do you feel like you have to lie more than your Caucasian counterparts? And they're like, oh, yeah, we lie about everything. Just because it's so jarring for our parents to see us do Western things. But they, we try to explain, look, you brought us to this country. We're never going to be Pakistani kids traditional Pakistani kids, we were bound to have some Western traits. And the ultimate lie I told my my mom for years was that, so at 17, we weren't allowed to go to, out to the house, uh, out of our house after school hours. We would come home from school, we would go to mosque, and then we'd stay home. We were never allowed to hang out with anybody outside of school. Right. We were never allowed sleepovers. And I was always a, a very well-behaved kid. I'm the youngest of uh, my siblings. And so it, I was turning 17 and I said to my mom, look, uh, you know how well behaved I am. You know how responsible I am. I would like to finally be able to go and stay with my friends at their house for five days. Will you please allow <laughs> oh my it? God. I'm about to be uh, I'm about to be like an adult. I'm scared of where this story is going. <laughs> <laughs> and I had I was very persuasive with my friends. And so some of them were 17, some of them were still 16. I managed to convince my group of friends that we should go to New York my se- my 17th birthday. What? And so we flew from Manchester to New York for five days. My mom thought I was literally around the corner in Leeds. And I spent oh my, my five God. days there. And we did that every three or four months for about seven years until wow. she didn't, She still didn't know. She only found out last year when I wrote my book and she came to an appearance and I told the story and she was like, are you out of your fucking mind? Oh you were God. a child. I was literally 16 when I, when I got wow. there. And was this a kind of, um, like me and my friend used to call it when we'd go off uh, to like gay clubs, we call it a gay safari. Like, was it to sort of go and be <laughs> yourself somewhere else? 100%. Because yeah. nobody would have known me in New York. No, obviously nobody did know me in New York. And so I could experience life like I could never do so in my own hometown. And then once I experienced that, that actually was the 
the thing that gave me the confidence boost to move to uh, Manchester because I'd watched Queer as Folk within that year or two. Mm. I'd heard of the, the gay village that I didn't know was a thing before then. Mm. And so once I had a taste of what gay life was like in New York, I thought I need to get out of my small town. I've got to move to Manchester and at least live some kind of happy gay life. And where did you stay when you went? To, was it a bunch of gay friends that you went to New York with? No, there were <laughs> three girls. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And I convinced them to... Yeah, I convinced him to come to this club with me. So as a brown, as a Pakistani kid, you you develop facial hair and and more adult traits earlier than most white yes. kids. And so I could pass as somebody in my 20s easily with my beard and my mustache. And so I, and I, I had my gray hair already at that point. And so I, I, we got into the club, no issue whatsoever. And it was a club, a club called Craven. Alan, I don't know if you know. Crave. Crave, sorry. Crave. Oh, yes. Where was that <laughs> yeah. again? I've been there. It got quite Craven. Crave. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, I've been I don't there. remember where Do it was. Do you know what? I think I just, I uh, you know, I, I think it's still going. It's in the Midtown somewhere. It is. It was in Midtown, but I don't know where in Midtown. And, but I think I just, earlier this year, I had to come back to New York to, well, to get an award, if you must ask. And I, <laughs> and I DJed the after party. And I think the after party was at Crave. Well, then you will know that in the basement they have go-go dancers. And I was 16. I had never seen anything like this before. Who are completely naked. Oh, gosh. It was the most shocking experience of my life. Not the night I was there recently. (laughs) The most shocking experience of my life. I lived that week. How funny. So so you went, the girl, did the girls get into the clubs with you? They couldn't. And you just went on your... They did. They They saw... They saw what I was seeing and they left within a couple of minutes. They're like, we can't see this for much any longer. Like, terrifying. Did you used to do that thing, which I used to do, where when I was like out with my straight friends, I'd be like, oh, let's go to this club. And they'd be like, is it gay? I'd be like, I'm not really sure. I don't yes, think it is. But as soon as we get in, you're like, is it gay? <laughs> yeah, there's not one straight person. You are literally but the only straight person. Do you know what? Me. I have uh, several times, this has happened to me, that when I'm in a gay club with people who aren't gay, they, uh, they they love it because, yeah, if it's a man, your friend who's straight, like there's always gay guys' girlfriends with them, right? Yes. And, there's, and, and oh. so there's always, always, like always straight men score in gay bars, in my yeah. experience, because there's a, there's, a, there's a limited number of them and there's lots of girls. Yeah. My female friends in Manchester used to come to the, the gay bars with me knowing that they would meet cute straight men. A nicer class of straight men as well, I suppose. Yeah. Open-minded. I always found my straight 
male friends got hit on and I didn't. And yeah, like, which, where you've been off? in here five oh minutes. God. I've been I've been going around in circles in this place for four years. You know, Chris, the funny thing is, oh, is that you say it as if it's a past tense. That happens to this day and it's infuriating. <laughs> it is funny what you're saying, you know, because we're laughing about, you know, all the things you're having to do and say and stuff. But there is like a poignant centre to that, which is that every time you lied is because you had to because there was no one before you yeah. who represented mm. so i yeah. can tell my mum i'm gay as a white christian yeah. kid and they're like okay well you're like uncle robert but yeah i was always really jealous of that is that the one who um who lionel blair came to his funeral i know that <laughs> their uncle robert isn't actually gay there is no one oh robert. i see oh i see but, but, like, wasn't it your godfather um, then alan's alan's just outed uncle robert <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 remember where you heard it first well, no, look, it's about a societal thing and with all those people i had ahead of me um so i think that it is incredible what you're doing now it's you're being that person for loads of other people and also you said a wonderful thing about when people do come out and they're young queer and muslim let people ask questions don't leave home don't run yeah. away yeah you know? oh that's great I, I, a lot of people get angry about about that actually i don't get a lot of hate anymore thank gosh but and i don't read my dms anymore uh my assistant will vet them for me because it honestly does protect your mental health if you're not looking at that shit because it yeah. can get real nasty um mm. but i i had a lot of people who were annoyed that i was saying don't don't leave your family home don't dis don't disown your family just because uh they're not accepting straight away i do say it's going to be hard at first we've had many many years to understand who we are this may be completely new for them don't let them disrespect you I've, I've always made it very clear i'm not suggesting that we allow them to disrespect us and that's a conversation i had with my family was you get to ask whatever questions you want just do not disrespect me so mm -hmm. i you're bound to be curious and i will try and offer you answers um but if it leads to disrespect but it's a huge time of change Absolutely. for everybody you know change is difficult for everyone and you've got you've you've by the time you come to the point of being able to tell people about it you've uh, yeah. resolved all these issues that you've had about it and they're yeah. now just starting to have yeah. to deal with them so i think it's actually a very good yeah. point in that way well, so I, I, chris you, you make a point that uh also is a little uh tough for people to digest Ca caucasian people have had at least representatives within the community for a few decades now in whatever form if you're part of a community where they've literally never seen it before yes. within their community, you're opening yourself up to a lot of trouble, a lot of anger and frustration. And does that put pressure on you being among the first visibly queer, you know, Pakistani, yeah. South Asians, you know, how do yeah. you put a box around that if you can? I Well, it was the reason I didn't want to audition for the show is the reason I had no interest in being public at all. Um, and then it was the reason why I, I tried to quit the show. Uh, even after I started, the pressure was just a, a really intense. I didn't know what to expect. Was that in your yeah. head pressure? Was that like people starting to contact you because they knew it was happening? Nobody, so nobody outside of my family knew it was happening. Um, but my family and friends were like, are you sure you want to be responsible for this? Because no matter how you slice it, you're the only version of this these people, this community. And so people will expect you to be the best version, the perfect version. Mm. And if you fail... Or if you, something goes wrong, you're the punching bag. And so those kind of thoughts, I already had them, but people around me just, 
confirmed my magnified it. Yeah, confirmed my worry, um, and and thankfully, once I uh, the show came out, it was it was rough for a little while, but I I learned how to switch it off and to accept the fact that yes, it, this may upset a lot of people, but it also helps a lot of people to see a version of themselves. Yes, yeah, surely. I mean, my my perception of it was this like tidal wave of love that that, that came yeah. for you and and the other boys but specifically yeah. for you i remember it's because he looked like alan cumming <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was they thought you were all scottish yeah. oh that lovely scottish the, boy really the amount of people who wanted to fuck me within that first year was just insane <laughs> and then when i tell them wait i'm sorry my name's not alan they're like oh, oh shit what a waste come on um <laughs> but yeah there, there, there really was an outpouring of love and especially from uh industry people uh, who were really wanting to to support me because they knew how difficult it probably was, mm-hmm. um, and especially people of color saying, "Look, this we know this can't be easy. We get shit for just being of color. The fact that you're uh, willing to say that you're gay and you're Muslim and you're uh, South Asian that we know what you must be going through." So the support from the industry was great, and I know people who are not in my position who aren't very well supported by actors and actresses, models and singers. They're not super supportive of each other because they're all after the same jobs. But for us, they don't need to feel threatened. I'm never going to go for their job. And so I felt an outpouring of love that I think I've been afforded because I'm on a different kind of show. Uh-huh. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. And so really how nice. long have you been doing it now? Two and a half years. Is that all? Dan, I mean, what? it sounds silly. I'm sort of going to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, you are growing up. But what do you, where do you, where are you, I mean, you've had this, Becoming a big television star around the world was like a bit of a left field thing for you. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> so, so where, what, what, what now? I mean, obviously you're loving the show and you're keeping it's a huge success and you're keeping doing it. But do you have a plan? Because I sort of feel like I've tumbled through life and just Alan wants a PDF. <laughs> yes, I like a PowerPoint, <laughs> a PowerPoint presentation yeah. and a pie oh, well, chart. Well, if you look to Come my right, right. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if you pulled down a screen right now. And here's the thing: I, because I wasn't expecting any of this, uh, I, I, did, I don't have a standard plan or a set plan. Before this, I had a full career and I had retired from that career, and my plan was to have children and travel the world and never work again. Wait, what? You actually retired from it and then it didn't segue? Uh, legitimately retired. From, yeah, from legitimately retired fashion. from fashion. I had oh. companies that had become very successful and and so I retired and then that's actually how Netflix found out about me and they reached out and said, would you be interested in doing this show now that you're free? Uh-huh. And I had to clarify, I'm not free I'm retired. That that means I don't want to work anymore. Um, so how old were you when you retired? 32. You, oh, I'm furious with you. It's so funny. My, <laughs> my friend Rob was here at the weekend and we worked out his dad had retired when he was 55. That's how old I am. And I was thinking, could I retire? Wow. Could I get a pension? I'm sure you could. I'm sure, here's the thing. I'm sure you could if you wanted to. I, it wasn't like I was... Uh, um, Mark Zuckerberg, I did, but I'm not a greedy man. I right. just, I had enough to be able to live the rest of my life to be happy. Yes, I could retire. Exactly. It depends <laughs> on what you want for your life. I just wanted a, a couple of stable situations and then 
chill. But it's drawing a line in the sands, isn't it? You're saying I'm not going to like I, if I. That's the thing. I mean, if you're an actor, you don't really need to retire. You just sort of work less. Do you know what I mean? And you say, oh, yeah. a nice film will come yeah. along. You think I would fancy that. I'll do a podcast. You know, but <laughs> um, but uh, but <laughs> you asked. made a line in the sand saying I'm not doing this anymore, and you wanted to have kids, and then yeah. Netflix lured you. Yeah. And so, do you regret the kid, the lack of kids? No, no, no. And uh, the plan is still to have them within the next few years, oh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I, I am actually, I'm loving this. I love this way more than I ever thought I would. When I finally said, yes, I will do it and I, I will agree to the, the amount of seasons that you're asking us to do, that will that will be it and then I'll be done after that. However, I've loved it so much, I thought I was going to hate it. Like, truly, Alan, I don't, you probably don't feel this way because you probably trained since you were a little boy. If you're not trained in this world at all, if you've never been on camera before, and again, I grew up in a strict Muslim household where you don't really take photos. So mm. I, I, I was never in front of a camera. And so, and when people would take photos of it, I'll be asked about of this one because it just wasn't part of my culture. Wow, yes. And so to go from that to then turn up on set one, the first day, there's a team of 30-something people. You're the only person who's shooting that day. Everybody else has their scenes tomorrow. That is terrifying. I cried yes. almost every day the first few weeks of filming. I would go to the restroom, have a quick cry, come back out. Like, okay, where do you need me? Um, it was. I found it so, oh. so, so difficult. Like, if you watch the first season, so many times you can see I've just had a good cry. Oh, you darling! Really? And yeah. And but now, but now I've gotten to the point where oh, it doesn't phase me at all. Right. Like, truly no issue. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm loving it. So at first I said, I will only do Queer Eye and then I'm done. Like, even with my agents, don't bring me any of the offers. I'm not interested. And now I'm looking at what else I could do. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And would you, would you do a kind of, um, you know, I know you have your Instagram account shaded, don't you? Yeah. What does that but mean? It's also like, would you, it's it's to do with skin bleaching, isn't it? It's right? to do with uh, yeah, colorism and skin bleaching. I was uh, I bleached as a child. I was bleached as a child, um, <gasps> and many people in my culture are. If you're too brown, and I've got my air quotes up for anyone listening, if you're too brown, too dark, you're you are kind of shunned by your community. That you won't be successful. You probably won't marry well, um, and so they bleach you as much as possible so you can be as fair as possible. Where do they do that? Uh, well, the, oh, just at home. There's uh, creams that they use on you every day to try oh and make sure that gosh. it stops. Mm. Um, and, and some people go to much greater lengths, uh, and it causes major health issues throughout your life. I'm sure, um, just on your face or your whole body. All, all over, yeah. And almost everyone I know has been bleached at some point if they're from a South Asian community. Um, and so I started this Instagram account to talk about it. Um, and it's the amount of people who reach out from every other community, Black community, Asian, Far East Asian community, uh, the Brazilian community in particular. So many people go through this and uh, and it's it really is sad. Gosh, Tan, good for you. Yeah, and amazing that you're doing it. And the do you see yourself going more in that activism route by being so yeah. public and being so? Yeah, we're actually rare. working on a documentary, uh, a feature um, about it to um, try and Brilliant. stop these companies from being able to promote so openly, um, and to hopefully stop them from uh, producing this product anymore. Good for so, you. Yes, wow. Absolutely. Gosh, I'm just reeling from that. That's absolutely shocking. Wow, and do you, what do you? What are the health things that you're still dealing with them? 
I mean, what sort of, how does it manifest itself? Uh, thankfully, no, I, I only uh, use it for a very short time. What other people have got, they can uh, develop ulcers on their skin, warts oh. on their skin. It can uh, mm. cause skin cancer. It can cause uh, cysts on their ovaries. Like The amount oh. of issues that are caused by skin bleaching all over the world are shocking. Um, and so uh, I, I wanted to shed a light on it because it's something that people don't talk about. Mm. Gosh, I'm going to talk about it all the time now. I think it's awful. <laughs> there was only one other thing I wanted to say, if, we, if we've got time. Yes, I think um, we have time on the agenda. Wait, yes. can, actually, wait, Chris, before you, before you say it, yeah. I'm actually a really light-hearted person. There are just certain things I really care about. That's why, <laughs> that's why the bleach oh, is really important. Really oh but I am ordinarily a very jolly person. <laughs> well, well, this is jolly. So one thing I wanted to say, which I particularly love about queer eye is that it is so rare to see queer friendship on screen mm. yeah. between you and the other guys mm. and the yeah. way that you and this is probably like this is obviously it's a it's a queer male thing so i'm being specific and there's many other versions of friendship but how a group of men the way they interact slips in and out of masculine and feminine is something you just do not see with groups of men outside of Queer Eye. I never see it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, I love the way that you'll, there'll be like a feminine moment, then it'll go in for a masculine moment. And yeah. I just think it's so it's refreshing, beautiful that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. We, uh, we talked about what we wanted to do when we were in pre-production and there were certain things that I just didn't want to hide. And there's other things that, uh, that uh, the mm. other boys were talking about, how they didn't want to hide certain aspects of themselves. And one of them was that I didn't want to uncross my legs just because I know that people expect, well, if you're a boy, you would uncross your legs and you want to seem more masculine. I don't want to seem more masculine. I'm perfectly happy with the way I am. My family and my friends love me and that's good enough. And if this bigger at home has concerns, that's his problem. And so I'm mm. going to continue to cross my legs. If I want to hold Anthony's hand, I will. If I want to braid Jonathan's hair, I will. And that's what we all agreed. We weren't going to tone it down. We were trying to create a movement where people could see that we are multidimensional and we are complete people. And the, the thing that pissed a couple of us off in particular after season one came out uh, was that there was uh, the press would talk about how inappropriate it was that I would Auntie and I are very very similar we I love them all they're my brothers but Auntie and I don't drink we don't go to bars and clubs really we spend a lot of time cooking together so we got really really close uh, during season one and he's without a doubt one of my best friends on the planet I love him but because we're very affectionate with each other we don't hide it away we do it in every interview we're like I will hold his hand on set constantly we're just very affectionate people would assume that it was a problem for my husband. They would talk about how inappropriate it was mm -hmm. that I was behaving this way with another man. And I started to say when people would ask me in person, was, uh, it started uh, with an English interview that I had, a UK interview. They said, is your husband concerned at all that you're so affectionate with Anthony? Is he not concerned? And I, I, I was so excited to finally say how close-minded you are that you think that just because two gay men are affectionate, that means that they're sleeping together. My husband's perfectly happy. He stood right there. Rob, are you happy? Yeah. Do you love Anthony as much as I do? Yeah. Then can we continue on? Because you sound like a hobo. And Drop so the mic. It's, just, it's really nice to just show a version of gay men that hasn't been represented yes. before. That we can love each other without wanting to sleep with each other. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and, and to show a version of being an authority on something that you're advising on 
doesn't mean you have to uncross your legs. You yeah. Know, I, don't have to, I don't have to exude authority here. Yeah. I can just be... I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? When you think about it. And you know, last year I was at my um, friend's wedding near Salt Lake City, actually, where Sundance is. What do you call it? Uh, Park Slope. Park, Park City. Park City. Park, yeah, City. Park City. I love Park City. So lovely. I went to this lovely wedding. There was a lot of people I knew there. And at one point, um, it was a friend, an actress friend of mine, actually, and her new boyfriend was there. And I was chatting to her. We hadn't seen each other for years. And I looked around and Grant, my husband, and her boyfriend were holding hands as we were walking to the thing. I just thought it was the sweetest thing. And it's sort of, it's so unlike Grant. It's not something, he's not a sort of a hand-holding sort of person, but he's also very kind of reactive to sort of people's things and goes with it. And uh, I just, it was so lovely to see two grown men, one straight, one gay, just holding hands. And it was a very lovely, open kind of atmosphere. But you're absolutely right. Those sort of societal semiotics are so stupid yeah. when you stand back from yeah. well also I'm not one for PDA ordinarily my husband and I don't hold hands walking the street we never have however us boys are going through a very weird time there's a lot of pressure and so whenever I'm uh, walking into an interview or we're in an interview or we're on set they're, they're my clutches like Jonathan, yeah. Anthony, Bobby Caramo I will gravitate towards them I will hold each other we'll hook each other because it's a very comfort. intense yeah. situation. Yeah. And that Support. offers so, such great comfort. Gosh, I think that's so lovely. I think you're just Aww. great, Tan. I think I'm so full of admiration for all you're doing. Thanks, my love. Really, really. It's Thank been you, an inspiration that. to talk to you. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, It my really love. has. Thank you so much. Maybe the next time, it, oh, I'll try and grow my hair to be exactly like yours. And that'll confuse people even more. <laughs> Something that you hear a lot on radio and things, I'm going to call this radio, um, is people go, oh, but they were so lovely. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. But he really is. He's like, absolutely he's charming. So yeah. charming. And, and everyone we talk to is. That's why we're so lucky to talk to all these yeah. incredible people. But he was super charming. He exudes like this simple warmth and he's really... I just, it was such a laugh talking to him, wasn't it? The moment we got on the Zoom, like when we met him, like we all started laughing straight away and it was like, oh fuck yeah, we need to press record. Yes. (laughs) Don't, excuse me, whenever you say that, I just, I immediately look at my little machine and check. (laughs) Listeners, you, you might not be totally shocked to hear that a couple of times I have completely forgotten to press my button. A couple. (laughs) We want you to write to us. It's hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Or you can do us on Instagram, as it were, at homosapiens, or on Facebook, which is uh, at homosapiens. Do you have at on Facebook? I'm such an old granddad. I've never done People Facebook. People say they do say at, even though you don't really have it, because I think at is sort of the universal oh, well, language I'm for say handle now. At homosapienspodcast on Facebook. And win a t-shirt if you go to Apple Podcasts and... Um, subscribe and uh, leave a review for us because that's what we do we listen to your reviews and we take them uh, to heart and we give a t-shirt to the one we find most pertinent and that happens on homo sapiens extra which will be next week that's right time to bid you adieu till next week adieu 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 to you and you and you hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.